Welcome to Blockchain for Beginners. So to preface for this podcast, it's going to be in 30-minute segments, um, and I'm going to be taking you through my journey of learning about blockchain, about cryptocurrency, about NFTs, you know, everything that has to do basically with blockchain. And I'm going to be sharing all of my references with you, where I get my information from. So in every podcast episode, you will see links to all of the references that I use. I will sometimes be interviewing people and having guests on that know way more than me about blockchain so that, you know, we can ask them questions and see what's going on, uh, if there are any cool theories bouncing around, and I'll share with you basically the groups that I hang out in and all that stuff. So, we're going to be covering in the uh, episodes coming up, you know, all about blockchain. What is blockchain? The advantages, the, the disadvantages, how can blockchain be used? And we'll get into some really, really cool stuff. For this first episode, we're going to just basically be covering what is blockchain. Um, Of course, that's going to be the first episode because this is for beginners. So we need to know what it is before we can get into some of the cool stuff like how it's going to be used and everything like that. So I... uh, you know, for the last few weeks, I've been looking at different articles, I've been watching different videos, I've been listening to different people talk about blockchain, I've been on in clubhouse groups, kind of just listening in, and one of the best articles that i found so far is by Investopedia. So Investopedia has this really cool article online that takes you through everything, really from like a beginner standpoint about what, about, all about blockchain, basically. Um, so for this first episode, I am going to be reading from the article, and then we're just going to talk a little bit about a few things that have come to my mind when I'm reading it. Um, and then we'll go from there in, you know, the feature episodes. So basically, let's jump right into what is blockchain, okay? Uh, and I'm reading from the article here. So it says, blockchain seems complicated, and it definitely can be, but its core concept is really quite simple. A blockchain is a type of database. To be able to understand blockchain, it helps to first understand what a database actually is. So a database is a collection of information that is stored electronically on a computer system. Information or data in databases is typically structured in table format to allow for easier searching and filtering for specific information. What is the difference between someone using a spreadsheet to store information rather than a database? Spreadsheets are designed for one person or a small group of people to store and access limited amounts of information. In contrast, a database is designed to house significantly larger amounts of information that can be accessed, filtered, and manipulated quickly and easily by any number of users all at once. So, um, to give an example, let's say I have a business, like I do, called Buttercopy, and I'm using Google Sheets, right, and it's spreadsheets. That's technically where I'm housing all of my data, I'm putting all of the data for my business into the Google Spreadsheets. And I'm able to share those Google Spreadsheets with the, you know, the few people that I have working at my business. 
So I'm sharing my Google spreadsheets with five people, maybe 10 people, and they're able to access those spreadsheets. If I make them an editor, they're able to make changes. Um, but basically that's where the data for whatever you know I'm wanting to, to use it for is held. Um, and it's held in a table format because they're spreadsheets. If we're talking about a larger database, that's where, you know, data is really held on computer systems and can be accessed by way more people. So if you have a small amount of data that you're working with, usually you can put it into a spreadsheet and share it with a few people. And that works quite well until you get larger and larger and larger amounts of data. Maybe over a year, two years, you have all this data to work with. That's not going to be able to you know, be housed by a Google Sheet. You're going to have to have something larger. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about larger databases. So large databases achieve this by housing data on servers that are made of powerful computers. These servers can sometimes be built using hundreds or thousands of computers in order to have the computational power and storage capacity necessary for many users to access the database simultaneously. While a spreadsheet or database may be accessible to any number of people, it is often owned by a business and managed by an appointed individual that has complete control over how it works and the data within it. So that's where if I had a business, my copywriting business, Buttercopy, and I was putting data into my Google Sheets and I was sharing my Google Sheets with my employees, then technically at the end of the day, I would still have complete control over my data and I would have control over the way that we use the data and what we're doing with it and, and any changes that we're making. I am the sole owner or the sole power over that data. Um, how it differs from the blockchain is is the blockchain is a, is a large database and it has no centralized power. There's no one person or one governing body that's basically in control of it. So we're going to talk now about the storage structure because blockchain is a database and of course there needs to be storage and with that a storage structure. So one key difference between a typical database and a blockchain is the way that the data is structured. A blockchain collects information together in groups, also known as blocks, that holds a set of information. Blocks have a certain storage capacity and when filled are chained onto the previously filled block, forming a chain of data known as the blockchain. All new information that follows that freshly added block is compiled into a newly formed block that will then also be added to the chain once filled. So when somebody says what is blockchain, it's basically a chain of data. <laughs> a database structures its data into tables, whereas a blockchain, like its name implies, structures data into chunks or blocks that are chained together. This makes it so that all blockchains are databases, but not all databases are blockchains. And I'm going to say that one again because I read that sentence a few times and actually kind of, it did help me, right? So, not all blockchains are databases, 
Oh, sorry. I messed that up totally. Wait a second. It makes it so that all blockchains, because blockchains are a database. So sorry for that, okay? The sentence is, all blockchains are databases, but not all databases are blockchains. Okay. All blockchains are databases, but not all databases are blockchains, right? Because a database, like we said before, a database is just where we are storing data. So that could be a spreadsheet. That could be something else. But a blockchain is a large database that doesn't really have one centralized um, housing unit, right? It's not all stored on one computer. The system is also inherently, it makes an irreversible uh, timeline of data. So every time a new block is added, it also has the date and the time. It's, and it's not changeable. You cannot change that timeline of data. So the system, again, also inherently makes an irreversible timeline of data when implemented in a decentralized nature. When a block is filled, it is set in stone and becomes a part of this timeline. Each block in the chain is given an exact timestamp of when it is added to the chain. So that is really cool because, like I said, every time you add a piece of data or a block into the blockchain, you basically know when that happened. You're going to be able to go back and see the date, the time, you know, all of the events basically in that timeline. So in order to really understand blockchain, we have to also look at the decentralization. So when we talk about blockchain, we usually also associate it with cryptocurrency because cryptocurrency uses blockchain. So um, cryptocurrency right now as it stands is decentralized. There's no one governing body. When it comes to the currency that we have um, outside of cryptocurrency, like our, you know, our currency, a fiat currency, which is a government-backed currency, that has a governing body that has the basically the the government uh, in control because it's a government-backed currency. Cryptocurrency does not have that. Therefore, blockchain does not have that. Blockchain and cryptocurrency is decentralized. So, for the purpose of understanding blockchain, it is instructive to view it in the context of how it is implemented by Bitcoin, and Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency. Like a database, Bitcoin needs a collection of computers to store its blockchain. For Bitcoin, this blockchain is just a specific type of database that stores every Bitcoin transaction ever made. In Bitcoin's case, and unlike most databases, these computers are not all under one roof, and each computer or group of computers is operated by a unique individual or group of individuals. Imagine that a company owns a server comprised of 10,000 computers with a database holding all of its clients' account information. This company has a warehouse containing all of these computers under one roof and has full control over each of these computers and all of the information contained within them. Similarly, Bitcoin consists of thousands of computers, but each computer or group of computers that holds its blockchain is in a different geographic location and they are all operated by separate individuals or groups of individuals. These computers that make up Bitcoin's network are called nodes.
So anytime I refer to a node, I am referring to a computer. In this model, Bitcoin's blockchain is used in a decentralized way. However, private centralized blockchains where the computers that make up its network are owned and operated by a single entity do exist. In a blockchain, each node has a full record of the data that has been stored on the blockchain since its inception. For Bitcoin, the data is the entire history of all Bitcoin transactions. If one node has an error in its data, it can use the thousands of other nodes as a reference point to correct itself. This way, no one node within the network can alter information held within it. Because of this, the history of transactions in each block that make up a Bitcoin's blockchain is irreversible. If one user tampers with Bitcoin's record of transactions, all other nodes would cross-reference each other and easily pinpoint the node with the incorrect information. This system helps to establish an exact and transparent order of events. For Bitcoin, this information is a list of transactions, but it is also possible for a blockchain to hold a variety of information like legal contracts, state identifications, or a company's product inventory. In order to change how that system works or the information stored within it, a majority of the decentralized network's computing power would need to agree on said changes. This ensures that whatever changes do occur are in the best interest of the majority. Okay, so that was a lot of information, and let's try to break this down in a way that is super simple to understand. So when it comes to Bitcoin, Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency. And it is decentralized, right? So the currency that we have now, which is the fiat currency, a government-backed currency, has one governing body, right? It has, a, you know, a government that is in control of it. So if you defaulted on a loan or whatever, the government could come in and seize your assets. They don't need permission from the majority holders in order to do that. They can just go and do it because they are the ones in control. For Bitcoin, um, this doesn't really happen because it's decentralized. There's no one governing body. And the same thing with blockchain. In order for a piece of information to be changed in the database, 51% of the nodes or 51% of the computers that are in different geographical locations not held by one governing body need to agree. Which is why it's kind of really cool because we can see that, you know, no one person, no one entity, no one government really has the control here. It all goes by the majority or the best interests of the majority, which makes it kind of democratic in a way because it's also kind of like the majority votes for something and then they can agree on it or disagree on it. But it's kind of cool to see that. Uh, in order for a piece of information to be changed, 51% of the nodes need to agree, and it's and, and especially for cryptocurrency, it's just totally different than what we have been currently using. So, in order to really understand blockchain and then and therefore understand crypto, 
we need to understand the underlying um, reason as to why this is moving ahead. So in the article, it kind of talks about if we, if I scroll down further, and and we will get into this in another episode, but one of the cool ways that this works is for cryptocurrency, like if we think back to 2008 when the, um, Uh, There was a financial crisis and a lot of bubbles burst and the banks were going to go under and then the taxpayers bailed them out. So what if the taxpayers didn't bail them out, then the banks would have gone under. A lot of people, because they had currency that was government backed and in the bank, would be completely wiped out. In terms of Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, that really wouldn't happen because... uh, you know, it's it's not ruled by that one thing. Like, if the government's currency goes down, cryptocurrency is not going to go down with it. It's an entirely separate thing that runs on a blockchain, which needs the majority of people or majority of uh, nodes or computers to agree with any changes that are being made. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, so now it, let's just go into transparency and is blockchain secure and that's basically all we're going to have time for in this episode and then in future episodes we're going to look at um, blockchain versus banking or the way that we have banking today the advantages and disadvantages of the blockchain and basically how can blockchain be used because it can be used in like so many different ways. It's kind of cool to actually see all the ways that it can be used. So let's briefly look at transparency. So because of the decentralized nature of Bitcoin's blockchain, all transactions can be transparently viewed by either having a personal node uh, or by using blockchain explorers that allow anyone to see transactions occurring live. Each node has its own copy of the chain that gets updated as fresh blocks are confirmed and added. This means that if you wanted to, you could track Bitcoin wherever it goes. For example, exchanges have been hacked in the past where those who held Bitcoin on the exchange lost everything. While the hacker may be entirely anonymous, the Bitcoins that they extracted are easily traceable. If the bitcoins that were stolen in some of these hacks were to be moved or spent somewhere, it would be known. Which leads to, is the blockchain secure? Um, Blockchain technology accounts for the issues of security and trust in several ways. First, new blocks are always stored linearly and chronologically. That is, they're always added to the end of the blockchain. If you take a look at Bitcoin's blockchain, you'll see that each block has a position on the blockchain called a height. As of November 2020, the blockchain's height had reached 656,197 blocks so far. After a block has been added to the end of the blockchain, it is very difficult to go back and alter the contents of the block unless the majority reached a consensus to do so. That's because each block contains its own hash, along with the hash of the block before it. And a hash is basically a a mathematical function that turns digital information into a string of numbers and letters. So if that information is edited in any way, the hash code changes as well. Here's why that's important to security. 
Let's say a hacker wants to alter the blockchain and steal Bitcoin from everyone else. If they were to alter their single copy, it would no longer align with everyone else's copy. When everyone else cross-references their copy against each other, they would see this one copy stand out and that hacker's version of the chain would be cast away as illegitimate. Succeeding with such a hack would require the hacker to simultaneously control and alter 51% of the copies of the blockchain so that their new copy becomes the majority copy and thus the agreed upon chain. Such an attack would also require an immense amount of money and resources as they would need to redo all of the blocks because they would now have different timestamps and hash codes. Due to the size of Bitcoin's network and how fast it's growing, the cost to pull off such a feat would probably be insurmountable. Not only would this be extremely expensive, but it would also be likely fruitless. Doing such a thing would not go unnoticed, as network members would see such a drastic alteration to the blockchain. The network members would then fork off to a new version of a chain that is not affected. This would cause the attacked version of Bitcoin to plummet in value, making the attack ultimately pointless as a bad actor has control of a worthless asset. The same would occur if the bad actor were to attack the new fork of Bitcoin. It is built this way so that the taking part in the network is far more economically incentivized than attacking it. Okay, so this brings me to the end of the episode where I quickly wanted to bring something up that I heard about in a clubhouse uh, room that's called Blockchain Gospel. And I believe that they run this room every single night. So if you are on Clubhouse and you want to, you know, and you're interested in blockchain or NFTs and talking to other people who are in the space, Blockchain Gospel is a room on Clubhouse. So um, someone in the room Um, which I may invite on to the podcast to talk about this further because it was actually there, um, a thing that they brought up was the Leviathan theory. And the Leviathan theory is basically like that um, there's this monster watching over people and it makes them act a certain way. So in society today, we have laws, we have governing bodies, and basically it makes us act a certain way. And the example that they gave was, you know, we recycle, we are nice people, you know, we do positive things because there's a governing body. On the blockchain and in Bitcoin, so in cryptocurrency right now, there really is no Leviathan. So people are going to be able to act any which way (laughs) and do whatever. But um, when I read this, it makes me feel a bit better because it says that basically if you're going to hack something or attack it, like the whole system, you would need, it would take a lot of time, it would take a lot of energy, and it, it would take a lot of money to do so because you would have to have control over 51% of the nodes or 51% of the computers involved, and you'd have to have Uh, control over 51% of all of the accounts. So that's a huge feat, right? And so I think that obviously hacking and everything does exist. It does happen. There are people in the world that would do those things. But generally speaking, you know, because there is no governing body, it's decentralized. There's no Leviathan looking over us in the blockchain world. Um, 
I kind of like how there is this, you know, it's not economically incentivized to attack it. It's just not. And it would take so much time and effort because it's all chained together. And any time that you change one, if it doesn't automatically line up, then it's it's basically flagged right away, right? They're going to know it doesn't line up with the rest of the chain. So that's basically, if you have anything to, to say about the Leviathan theory, I'd love to hear it. If you'd love to talk about centralization, decentralization, where you think this is all going, I'd love to talk about that. But basically, um, we, we, this episode was just a brief introduction to what is blockchain. So blockchain is a specific type of database. It differs from a typical database in the way that it stores information. Blockchain stores data in blocks that are then chained together. As new data comes in, it is entered into a fresh block. Once the block is filled with data, it is chained onto the previous block, which makes the data chained together in chronological order. Okay? So it is a type of database that is not all housed in one specific place on one specific computer or a group of computer that is in one place. It is very much spread out geographically. It is not all controlled by one person or one governing body. So a very large decentralized database. And that's cool for many, many different reasons that we will get into in future episodes. So thank you so much for joining me for the first episode of Blockchain for Beginners. If you do have any questions, if you feel like I didn't talk about something enough or answer something to the best of my ability, um, please do let me know. You can connect with me um, on Instagram at blockchain for beginners. You could always leave me a voice message. If you are listening to this on anchor, I do have voice messages, um, enabled. So if you do leave me a voice message, just be aware that you might, uh, I might put it in one of the episodes, especially if you have a really good question or you shared some information. Um, but yeah, if you want to connect with me, I'm sure that you can find a way to do so. I'm also on LinkedIn And I will put all of the resources, all of the links to my LinkedIn and Instagram everywhere in the description of this podcast episode. So I'm excited for future episodes. I'm excited to learn together and see where all of this leads us. So yeah, thank you so much for joining me. And new episodes will be uploaded um, uh, probably every Tuesday, and if not, multiple times throughout the week. So, I mean, keep checking in and make sure that you follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks, and have a great day.